Welcome to the More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. This is episode 109, interview with comedian Dave Kinney. Dave is a comedian who talks about ADHD in his act and now also on my podcast. He shares how people respond to that and how it's different from telling a boss or new girlfriend. We also talk about what it's like to be a self-employed performer and how he manages the lack of structure. The book, More Attention, Less Deficit, Success Strategies for Adults with ADHD, is available at addwarehouse.com and pretty much everywhere else. I'm psychologist Dr. R.A. Tuckman, author of More Attention, Less Deficit, and Integrative Treatment for Adult ADHD, as well as Understand Your Brain, Get More Done. For more information about the books, archives of this podcast, links to past presentations, handouts, and information about upcoming teleclasses and presentations, check out adultadhdbook.com. So we're going to do something a little different today, but before we do, I want to thank Tara McGillicuddy from addclasses.com for letting us use her bridge line to record this interview. She has a lot of good stuff on addclasses.com, so you should definitely check it out. Finally, in just a few days, on Tuesday, March 4th, we start the five-part webinar series on ADHD, sex, and relationships, along with Linda Rogley from ADDiva and super cool sexologist Dr. Jill McDevitt. I think this is a really important topic that too often doesn't get discussed. It's probably the most fun to listen to live, but we will also be recording it so you can catch it later or listen to it again. As always, you can get more information on the presentations page at adultadhdbook.com. Okay, welcome everybody. We are doing something a little bit different today. So um, rather than me talking into a microphone in my office, which is, you know, always a very exciting process, I decided I was going to mix it up a little bit and I'm going to bring a guest. So um, we're going to do an interview here. Um, So, you know, this is a podcast about ADHD. We talk about all sorts of like science and research of ADHD. We talk about uh, practical strategies. So, of course, I'm bringing up a stand-up comedian because that's going to be my first and perhaps uh, last guest uh, as an interview subject on the More Attention Last Episode podcast. But, you know, I'm really, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, The comedian I've got here is named Dave Kinney, and he's based in New York City, which is where I met him. Uh, But, Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, then we'll we'll get into this. Hey, guys. I I do comedy out of New York. Uh, I started out of South Florida uh, before I was able to escape um, I just found out that Vanilla Ice was named Citizen of the Year in my hometown, so I think I made the right call on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with with comedy, I just do comedy all over the city. Um, I've done some TV stuff, but mostly at this point, just just working, doing the road, doing colleges and stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Cool. Well, and as someone who grew up in New Jersey outside of New York City, I'll point out that the city means New York City. If you're not from the area, that means the, <laughs> the city is New York City. So because, pretentious to just right, call it Right, <laughs> there really is no other city, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> right. So, well, so it's sort of funny the way that we met. Um, my wife and I were in New York City. We went to a comedy club, and... You know, we take our seats, we sit down, and the guy hosting the show was Dave, and he was talking about, you know, he was doing a bunch of, talking about a bunch of different stuff, but he, one of the things that he talked about was having ADHD and, 
you know, medication and how he learned about it and all that. And it was really funny stuff. Like, I thought it was really great. Um, but it, obviously that kind of rang a chord with me. So at the end of the show, I went up and he was standing there in the lobby and I went up and talked to him and kind of introduced myself. And, you know, I just really liked what he was doing and I wanted to, um, I don't know, I guess make it more accessible to the larger ADHD community. So um, that's how we kind of got together. Um, but I don't know, Dave, I guess you wanted to, you had some yeah, thoughts I, on that I, as well. Uh, it was funny when you first talked to me because uh, your book, uh, More Attention, Less Deficit, was a huge deal for me. Um, it's most books, I mean, it, anyone listening to this podcast who has ADHD knows that most books out there on ADHD are essentially just how to get your kid to shut up uh, in the car. Uh, there's not really that much out there for adults who are trying to, to deal with it, uh, to try to organize things. And your book was insanely helpful for me, and I started listening to your podcast. It was what I mean, I listened to maybe ten podcasts, and this was one of them, which is why as soon as you introduced yourself, I was like, that voice sounds very familiar for some reason. <laughs> and it was just such an insane small world, especially since you don't live in New York. Right. <laughs> that, that right. A, that you saw me, B, that I happened to be doing those jokes that night. Uh, right. Yeah, it was it was great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes things come together, and hopefully, you're smart enough to kind of seize the opportunity when it does. Yeah. So, um, so how did you how did you get diagnosed? Like, how did ADHD come up on your radar screen here? Um, I I was first diagnosed uh, as a kid in third grade, uh, just because I just wouldn't shut up in class. Uh, I was kind of, I guess the a pretty classic case in the sense that I was, I was a kid who would always test really well, but just would end up getting not great grades because I would never do the homework. Um, but I was just disruptive, and it was never, it was never like violent starting fights. Your kid tried to set the school on fire. Trouble. It was always just, just being disruptive, just always needing attention, uh, and just kind of an inability to focus. Uh, when I was younger, I got put on uh, Ritalin when I was, I guess, in third grade uh and just had a really negative experience with it uh just kind of lost my appetite at lunch and after a couple of years uh i went off medication and didn't get back on medication again until i was uh like 27 <laughs> i was just it was it kind of took me a while to kind of come uh <laughs> out of the wilderness because it's i i got Diagnosed with ADHD, and I think that there's kind of a popular wisdom. I mean, I think there's like a really hacky joke that like that like every like road hack has, which is like when we were growing up, we didn't have ADHD, we had slap, pay attention. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of people who see it as kind of a made up uh, thing. And I think I had kind of blown it off too, as like I just kind of figured I was just kind of an energetic person. But over over time, I just kind of found certain uh, issues coming up, uh, and there, I, for, I forgot where it was. I saw one thing and they were talking about it. And it was just so on the head that it was literally every single problem that I was dealing with at the time. So I went to a psychiatrist and uh, got on medication, which has been really helpful. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I guess I was 26, 27 before I really and got That's medication. not uncommon that, you know, a kid gets put on medication and they'll do it because their parents can make them. Um, and maybe they don't necessarily get it, but they'll, you know, comply. And then you become a teenager and then it's harder for your parents to make you do stuff. You don't really see the need for medication and you go off 
and then at some point in those mid-20s, kind of things kick in a little bit more, and you realize, oh, maybe I do need to do a little bit better here. So, um, so yeah, that's not uncommon, that experience that you had. Yeah, and I know a lot of people um... – I, I mean, I, I myself have gone through periods where I've kind of gone off meds and back on. And, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff you can do on the natural side, like exercise and changing your diet to try to help out. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, I'm sure that there's people who are unmedicated who are able to kind of develop systems that work perfect for them or they just earn a job uh, where it, it those skills don't uh, interfere. I mean, I, I think for me, medication, it, it was so hard to kind of admit that I needed it. Um, but it's it just made such a difference for me that uh yeah i mean i honestly like whenever i hear someone whenever someone finds out that i'm on medication and they say that they have it and they're not on medication i would love to be that dude i would love to be the guy uh, who has it who's just like just doesn't need it because he has a, his he has his stuff so together that he can just manage it uh but for me it made a huge difference well but let me ask you i mean let me sort of put a, the thought in on that. I mean, the fact that they're not on medication, we don't know that their life is actually going well. Now, hopefully sure. it is. Yeah. And certainly there are people where that is true. Sure. But then there's also people where it is really not true, and yet somehow they're they're not on medication. Not that I'm, you know, necessarily it has to be medication, but they're not doing the things that really would make their life better. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I always think of is, like, firefighters or, like, there's certain jobs where, uh, if, you, if you're a firefighter and you're going there, I mean, you're probably not zoning out, like, with that. I mean, if you if you find the right job that suits it, it could be fine. But I just, yeah, I think that you're right in the sense that there's a lot of people who are saying that they're fine. Fine is such a relative term. I mean, fine is essentially I accept the way things are, you know. That doesn't right. mean they're necessarily good. Well, and it's always sort of amazing to me that, on the one hand, I'm always sort of amazed by the human spirit and people's ability to tolerate very difficult situations. And then the flip side of that is it always kind of it kills me a little bit to see people tolerate really difficult, terrible situations that they don't have to. You know, so either, you know, like in this case, someone not doing what they need to do about their ADHD, but also things like, Someone's in a terrible relationship and they're not making it better, or they're in a, they have an awful job that they just hate, and yet they're not doing something different about it, or or whatever. So, you know, it's that that sort of being willing to live with something. It's I don't know. It can be a double-edged sword. You know, it's like yeah. if you're always striving for the impossible, that's going to be a setup for disappointment. But by the same token, if you're not, and if you're just willing to sort of you know sit in resigned um, you know passivity, then that's not necessarily anything better. Um, sure. So I guess it's a judgment call. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a certain point. I mean, I think obviously a lot of people. I I think everyone would prefer to take as little medication as they need but i think especially with the mental stuff because it's not such an immediate need the way that say insulin or other stuff mm. like that would be it then kind of becomes more subjective and i think to me it just kind of seems like i mean there's there's being sad there's people who just have a naturally a little bit more sad personality than others but i mean you talk to someone who has hardcore depression even with exercise and diet and stuff and they're not taking medication i mean at, at a certain point it's like what are you trying to prove like, I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's like you're saying. I mean, people 
cope with things. But it's just <laughs> there's a point where it's just it just seems like you're making things a lot harder than they need to be. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, what's it like? Having you know, ADHD is a part of your act, um, yeah. in that you know you're a comedian, you're in the public eye, so you're putting it out there. Um, sure. So, and we'll definitely, you know, I mean, the related to this is kind of the whole question of to tell or not to tell. Um, sure. So, I'm curious, what is it like having that in your act in terms of how do people respond to it when you put that out there in that kind of a um, venue? I think in comedy, I mean, like, a lot of comedy, uh, I mean, all the way to the top, but when you see top guys like Louis C.K. and stuff, um, I mean, a lot of comedy is based on truth and kind of just being honest about who you are. Um, and for me, I mean, it's it just, it is such a fundamental part of my personality that not talking about it just seemed like it would, it only seemed like it was, there was so long I could go before bringing it, bringing it up. Because, I mean, I think everybody, everybody who's, friends with me, certainly everyone who's dated me has kind of picked it up over time. <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, when when I had worked at jobs, it, it's funny now because saying it on stage, and I've wrote, written jokes about it that I feel good about, uh, but when, when I was working at jobs, <laughs> whenever people would find out, it was always the worst. Because if you worked at like a day job in an office or something, once, like, a boss or supervisor finds out, it's never like, oh, great, how can I help change your workload, <laughs> like, to try to to try to try suit this. I mean, I'm not saying that they should, but it, it just goes the exact opposite way. It then, mm-hmm. every single mistake that's ever made, or e- even if things that aren't your fault, is like, oh, ADHD, right? <laughs> and, right. It, and it's just, I mean, it's just kind of always used as a way just to marginalize you. Uh, and I got really used to that to the point where... Uh, either in jobs or relationships, I just didn't tell people. Because, I mean, it's the way I figured it is, if you're around me enough, you're going to piece it together eventually anyway, whether I tell you or not. And, I mean, that's not something I pride myself on, obviously. I would love if people would never figure it out. But, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's – I don't think you have to be a detective to kind of piece it together if you spend enough time around me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think in my act, I think that it's something – I think with comedy, it's always great, especially when you have something like that that you felt weird about talking to people about before, to be able to to do it on stage in a way that you can kind of get a great audience response. There's something really liberating about saying something that personal about yourself and getting a good response from it. Yeah, and that was kind of the question that I had, is that how is it different saying this up on stage in front of, you know, 50, 100, 200 people, versus, like, one-on-one conversation, because the dynamics of those two are completely different. So how is it different to sort of put it out there on stage versus face-to-face? Um, I mean, I, I think it's funny, because I, I think in some ways it's easier. I mean, it's – the, people always say public speaking is such a big fear. And, and, I mean, like, sometimes people talk to you after comedy shows – and they're like, I could never do what you do. And you're like, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a heart surgeon. And they're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Telling a couple jokes in front of a crowd is too much for you. Right. But, but I mean, it's it, there's something weird about it. that it, I, it, And I know a lot of comics who feel this way. It's like you talk to a whole audience full of strangers and they feel so comfortable. But then sometimes like talking to like one person 
<laughs> like you're talking to one girl after a show and it just becomes like the most awkward thing sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think it's been good too, because along with doing the material, I've definitely had, I've definitely had people come up afterwards because one of the, the bits I've specifically centers around how it, uh, affects relationships. Uh, I'm not going to do the bit, but I mean, the, the foundation of it is that, uh, it's hard with it in relationships because there's one thing that every woman loves, which is attention, which I have a deficit of, uh, right. and it kind of builds from there. But it's I've had, I think people with it, people with ADHD, I think relate to it a lot. But I feel like what I get even stronger reaction from is their girlfriends uh, or boyfriends, because I mean I think that it's as much as it's it connects with people who have it. I think that when you're with someone who have it has it and you're constantly talking to them and they're just zoning out like in the middle of an argument. I mean, it's nice to hear someone talk about it on stage and be like, yes, that is a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, when I was, when I lived in Northern Virginia, I ran this adult ADHD support group for five years through Northern Virginia, Chad. And I would always make the meetings open to romantic partners or family members or whatever. And people always found this great sense of like, wow, it's it's so helpful to hear other people describing similar experiences. So it's not just, you know, my husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. This is like a thing or, you know, it was this great sense of validation. Yeah. But I have to think that there's something about actually comedy sort of cuts a little deeper. Like I think you can yeah. sort of slip stuff in with a joke in a way that you can kind of get it in much deeper with a joke than you can by being direct and serious sometimes. Oh, and I have to think that there's something really kind of um, helpful about that for the romantic partner. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's uh, – I think it's so tough because I think so many people who who have it, the people who are around them, either their, their loved ones, their friends, their coworkers, uh, I think that there's a lot of – like, does this person have a mental condition, or is this person just a jerk? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, is this person just a lazy freeloader who doesn't want to listen? And and I think that um, and I think that doing material that connects to that experience, yeah, and that that bit that I was describing, I mean, it's it it goes in, it's making a joke of what that's like in relationships, but the other side of that coin is. When the person you're with doesn't feel like they're being listened to or they have enough attention, that's a very painful experience. I mean, it's a funny joke because it's it's like funny in uh, in the in the way that it's it works in that situation. But it's mm -hmm. when you're actually there, it's a lot less funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of I think the comedy is good for that about being able to bring bring laughter to situations that like sometimes aren't so funny when they're actually happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's absolutely true. Um, I mean, my hope is that, and my expectation, since it doesn't sound like you get punched out a lot at the show, is that... I'm five. Uh, it doesn't come up too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that, you know, you are talking about something that is potentially very painful, or at least uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And 
and yet by being able and now this is kind of the skill of it but by but by being able to make a joke of it you kind of turn it a little bit and i think that there's actually kind of a sense of relief that comes from that um, yeah and you know you got to be you got to have the right touch about it and you got to have your timing right and all that in terms of how you use humor in those kind of painful situations but i think it can make a really big difference in terms of how yeah, somebody yeah, feels about I, a I situation think, i think part of why i did it also is I think that I had just seen so much. I mean, there's, like, the way that, like, the Roadhack comics talk about it, which is, as I described before, that it's all just made up. I mean, it's the the jokes about how ADD is, like, a fake thing go right next to the, we didn't have timeout, we had knockout, like, right next to the beat your kids (laughs) jokes in in that realm of hilarity. Um, And then there was also just kind of, like, a more generic... Uh, kind of a more generic ADD stuff, like just about being easily distracted and stuff. I mean, that's I, I'm not exactly putting on a dramatic one-man show, but I think I did try to make an effort when I did my stuff to make it. I mean, there's there's jokes that are more kind of basic, but it also I wanted it to really reflect the experience of it too, like and not just be. Uh, I got ADD. Whoa! I can't focus. Blah blah blah. Like I mean, it's. I, I think that. Uh, I mean, I, I think with comedy, most of the time, there's like an easy joke that you can do, but I, I feel like the funnier one's always like a little bit deeper in it. And, mm-hmm. and I made a real effort not, like, I wanted to talk about it, but not in like kind of a gloss over. Like here's a bunch of quick, like easy jokes about like I like watching cartoons. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think that bringing it out on stage, though, it is it is just, I think any time there's something, I mean, as I said before, I mean, it's, there was such a shame in telling people I had it before, uh, and the, just, like, what it would then bring along with it, you know, because, I mean, every relationship I think a girl has with a guy is predicated on her believing that she can change that guy, and I think, like, when you date someone and they, they, they're saying to themselves, you know, if he could just focus and listen a little bit better. I mean, I think the time that they find out that there's a condition attached to it, it's the time where they're like, all of a sudden their expectations of, like, your potential, like, just go way down. Like, okay, like, maybe he can pay a little bit more attention. Uh, But, yeah, I think that putting it out on stage, though, when it's something that I used to be ashamed like to even tell people or talk about there is something that's very liberating about it. Yeah, I would think so. Um, And, you know, I, you know, you're talking about kind of putting it out there in the workplace. And I think I often recommend people don't do it for exactly the reasons why you said is that you say it and then people look for it and then they find it. Yeah. And they find every little single thing you do and they don't notice every little single thing that the, you know, guy next to you is doing. So yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, you need to be kind of selective about it, but it's kind of like, you know, you don't talk to the person on the plane sitting next to you about yeah. your prostate exam or something, you know, hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, so it's called discretion and boundaries. But yeah. um I mean I do, but that's just because I right. like talking about <laughs> planes. Right. Kind of it. <laughs> gives you gives you material for your act. So, um, but I think that to just kind of put it out there, there's actually some. I don't know. I think in terms of feeling okay with it, I think there's some great value in that. Um, 
And I think there's also something, you know, there was someone along the way that I was talking to once who said something about, you know, it's kind of like it's a great screening tool in the sense of, like, if you put it out there pretty early and someone still sticks around, then it's like, oh, okay, this is someone who can be a good friend or a good romantic relationship or whatever. And if you put it out there kind of early and they run for the hills, it's probably not someone you wanted anyway. Like, it's just the chemistry was clearly not there or there's some, you know, clear, you know, problems in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think that any time you're trying to be something that you're not, I mean, it's only going to work out for a limited amount of time. Right. Yeah. And especially, like, in an involved relationship, like a job or a romantic relationship. I mean, it's, you know, you can't go too long pulling that off. So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. with, I mean, with a job, I, I pull it off. Just, you don't want to bring that up in the interview. <laughs> in the interview, right. you're, like, very organized, amazing attention to detail. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let them find out on their own time. <laughs> right. You want some mystery in the relationship. <laughs> exactly. They'll you figure it out. Everything. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to tell them all right up front. So. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, a lot of times I just zone out for no reason. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not listening to you right now. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't hear a single word you said. Right. <laughs> now, what's that Garfield advice? calendar behind you is off. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have great attention to detail. It's just none of the details you want me to pay attention to. Um now, what's it like being self-employed? You know, so you're you're a professional comedian, you're a performer, you work for yourself, really. Um, I mean, you kind of, I guess, sort of work with slash for other people, but you know, they're quick hits, and then you're you're on to something else. So, what's it like working for yourself? Because you know, obviously, a lot of people with ADHD and a lot of people without kind of dream of working for themselves. So, what's it actually like? I think it was really, I, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I mean, there's also a challenge with it, especially with when you have a, a tricky time with organization and uh, and focus on stuff. I mean, I think it really the only way that you can do it is to really set routines. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I think that when you're I, there are a fair amount of times where I get ideas for material. Like honestly, like when I am kind of spacing out, or like when I'll I'll go for a jog, and I mean, it's, there's sometimes where material comes when you're talking to someone uh, in person, and you say something the funny that you're happy about that you think that you can build off of. But there's also plenty of time where you're just just walking around the city, and like just a weird thought crosses your mind uh, that you think that you can use. But I mean, I think really disciplining yourself to uh, to write. Because it's tricky. Because I mean, when you have a boss, it's annoying because they're over your shoulder, uh, making sure that that everything gets done on time. But I think it's almost more challenging when you don't, because it's like if you're not if you're not out there uh, pushing yourself to write and perform and pushing yourself to pursue opportunities, no one's gonna be mad at you. No one's gonna call you into their office and let you know how upset they are. I mean, so I mean, you really have to be driven and I think that uh I mean honestly I think it's something I struggled with a lot more when I was when I was younger in comedy because I mean when, when I was younger and self-employed I mean it was I mean it, it was definitely not always such a well-organized process but I mean <laughs> I think that it's I think when you realize that 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 is the way that your brain works and that it is a bit more uh disorganized I think admitting that 
that to yourself is kind of the first step towards trying to put systems in place to kind of correct for that. Um, I mean, it's it's not the it's not necessarily that you change who you are, but I mean, I think that it's like if you if you know that you're someone who loses your keys all the time, like getting to a point where there's like one place where you decide to put your keys, you know, because you are forgetful, and, and I I think that that was uh, a lot of the stuff with self-employment for me was just stuff like that, like just really. Uh, using all the tools at my disposal for calendars to keep track of dates. Like anytime anyone gives me any date that I agree to, I put it in my calendar right then because I absolutely have no trust in myself to to remember anything like that. Uh, phone numbers, business cards, like I either put them into my phone or throw them away because it's <laughs> – when someone gives me their business card, if I don't put it in my phone, there's no way I'm going to keep that card Um but yeah, I mean, it just, I think that that's the main thing about being self-employed uh, with, with ADHD is just you really have to develop systems for it uh, to kind of compensate. Yeah, I think, you know, either self-employed or working from home, in some ways it's kind of, you know, that's also a little bit similar. Um, sure. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think, as tempting as it is to say, oh, I don't have to listen to some boss, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, I'm self-employed, and you know, so I totally relate to that. And every time I hear people complaining about their terrible, you know, bosses and you know, annoying coworkers and stuff, I'm always really thankful that I don't have those. But, yeah. but it does. I mean, it takes a certain, I don't know, a certain willingness to be your own discipline. Um, yeah. And if you can do that, there's a great reward because then you can do whatever you want. Otherwise, um, you know, within reason. Um, but I think it's also a matter of, you know, maybe kind of looking at it as I don't really feel like putting, like using your example, like I don't really feel like putting this into my phone right now, but if I don't, then I can't stay self-employed and then have to go work for some, you know, possibly jerky boss. Yeah, and and I mean, I think it's, especially like with comedy, I, I think that you have to try to put yourself in good habits because the life itself doesn't necessarily help that process. Like when you're out all night at places where drinks are free all the time and you don't have a mandatory reason to be up before sunset, mm-hmm. uh, that can quickly turn into a negative thing pretty fast. Uh, but I mean, I think that like kind of pushing yourself to have some kind of a schedule to be up at a certain time to get a certain amount of uh exercise and stuff like that and not just become a hermit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, pushing yourself to have those kind of routines and habits is definitely helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think whether you work for somebody else or not, I think, you know, you still need that that kind of stuff, um, you know, to greater or lesser degrees depending on what you're doing. But, But, yeah, I think that, you know, as a comedian, as a musician, as a dancer, as a, you know, a lot of the performing arts, uh, or even, you know, as a chef or, you know, working in a restaurant, there's a lot of things about the lifestyle that are very sort of, uh, let's just say fun, but ADHD unfriendly, Um, you know, because there's all the, all the temptations and all the reasons to do the stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing, um, which means if you're going to manage that stuff better, it's got to come from you because it's not coming from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 
it, it's really getting to a point where you really take responsibility. And it's it's funny because it's when you're used to being someone who kind of gives up at, at work, and, but then has a boss to bring you back in line. I mean, when you, when you are self-employed, if you if you just zone out and fall down like some Wikipedia rabbit hole for hours and hours and hours, just reading about the Manhattan Project, there's no one there to to kind of say, Dave, what are you doing? Uh, so I mean, you have to really be that person, like who's who's on top of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty great not having coworkers. <laughs> directly right. yeah well but you know I mean you earn it every day yeah. by doing a good job of what you do and by you know sometimes or even often maybe doing some stuff you don't really want to do but you know it's the right thing to do so um, yeah. so yeah I mean if you can do it it's a great situation to be in um, yeah absolutely so what are I don't know. What are some final thoughts? Well, you know, and then we'll kind of we'll wrap up. Like you can tell people how to find you on the web and otherwise. So, um, but what are your final thoughts? Like any last things you want you really want people to know, or some insights you've had along the way, or things you've learned uh, that might be helpful to the folks who are listening to the podcast. Um, I guess the big stuff, and I mean, I, I think you've already re- addressed it on the podcast. You certainly addressed it in your book, um, but. I think that one of the things that was really helpful uh, that you had mentioned was uh, the sleep cycle, because uh, it's everyone else I know who has, is either diagnosed ADHD or really, really seems like they may have it. It's all the same thing. It's like that they can't sleep at night. Uh, uh, they'll stay up all late, all night, being kind of fascinated with something, which will then make them, them that much more tired the next day, and the cycle kind of repeats and repeats. And I think that your uh, your thing about setting an alarm uh, for a time to go to bed, I mean, honestly, I think that made a huge difference. And I, I mean, there's times when I can stick to it and times that I can't. But I think just understanding how vitally important that is uh, in the process. And I think just generally just the understanding of, uh, like, executive decisions and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I wish... I wish like the main point that was so important was some catchy, concise thing, but I really think that was a huge thing for me, though. I mean, just kind of just understanding uh, the whole deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a big difference. Um, and you know, truthfully, the thing that keeps me going on all this is um, that. It's just that, you know, it's such a – it's just so great to hear people kind of share this stuff, you know, and to hear that, you know, the difference that it makes, either the stuff that I've done or stuff that other people have done, but that, you know, educating themselves about ADHD or finding out about it, whether it's the person themselves or a romantic partner or a parent or whatever, that it just makes such a big difference. And it just takes people out of a situation of feeling really sort of – um, I don't know, just not very kind of like powerless in their life. Yeah, and and I I actually thought of the the I actually thought the biggest thing I think honestly, uh, and you mentioned in your book, but I think just the biggest thing to understand in general for anyone who has it uh, is kind of the understanding of. There's a part of your book where you talk about how 
a lot of people who have it have made a lot of efforts to change in the past. You know, I mean, a lot of people, and it it gets to enough points where, like, you're going to try to be really organized and you're going to try to be really on top of stuff and you're going to be try to to change everything, and things might go well for a while, but then they fall apart. And there's, it's really easy to get discouraged and to stop trying at it. But I think just to see it as a process, you know, a day-by-day process, and one that just because, like, you have a bad time and you revert to some bad old habits with it, you can always get back on the horse tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that... I, I think that a lot of times uh, with stuff with jobs and with school, like when stuff would go bad, it, it's so easy to kind of be hard on yourself and say, like, like same old screw up, you know. But I, I think that just the idea that just that it's always a process and it's not necessarily a pass-fail one, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more just every day you're just at it, you know. Right. Uh, Absolutely. No, I think that that's a crucial, crucial point because it is so easy to get discouraged. And I think that, you know, the people who really run into trouble are not the ones who screw it up once in a while because we all screw it up once in a while. The people who really run into trouble are the ones who screw it up and then give up. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I mean, I think that there was a time in my mid-20s where I just kind of, I just kind of zoned out for like, a couple months at a time. Like, I mean, just really uh, good. I mean, especially because, like, I didn't have a, a, a day job to kind of... I think when you have a day job, it's there's almost a natural limitation on how far you can zone out just because, hmm. like, you'll still have to be there at a certain time and leave at a certain time, and there's a certain schedule and a certain basic level of performance. But when you don't have that, I mean, I, I think that it was... Yeah, I mean, there was a real time where I'd just given up so completely uh, that you just kind of drift with it. But, I mean, I think that it's just that idea that that no matter what happens, I mean, you, you can always pick it back up and and work on it and work on uh, getting everything together, you know? Right, right. Yeah, Absolutely. Maybe that's a good place to end. I mean, I think you know, hell, I'd have fun talking all night here, but um, <laughs> but I think that's a that's a good place to end. So, where if people are interested in finding out about you and you know seeing some of the, your seeing you in action, what are some good ways to find you? Um, I have a website. I, honestly, the, the the best place to kind of connect with me and with my dates and also my comment is probably just Twitter. Uh, just at David Kinney, K-I-N-N-E-Y. Uh, I think that's probably the best way. I mean, I always put my dates up, and it's a good way to get in touch with me. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way. I mean, if you live in New York City, I'm doing shows constantly all the time. Uh, if you live elsewhere, I mean, I'm also doing the road, so just uh, Twitter's a good way to kind of keep in the loop with that. Cool. Yeah, and I'll put that up on, uh, you know, put it up on the website and, and all that other stuff. So, um, so yeah, excellent. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming out and I'm glad we were able to set this up and, um, you know, we did something a little different. I think it was really fun. So, yeah, um, I really appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. So excellent. Well, thanks everybody. And, uh, you know, I'll give the old line, you know, thanks for lending me your attention. 
So have a good night.